Hey, it's PF, channeling Ira Glass. Uh, you know, he starts This American Life sometimes with a dry read slash intro. Uh, our guest today is Gary Burbank. I just wanted to pop in here at the top of the show and remind you that we have a Gary Burbank collection at Cincy Shirts. We have a Gilbert Gnarly shirt, an Earl Pitts American shirt. We have a Burbank's Real Barbecue shirt, and we have a Sports or Consequences shirt. So you can uh, use that promo code you're going to hear during the episode to uh, get 20% off any and all of those shirts or any of the shirts on our site. So now let's uh, hear the Gary Burbank episode. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 121. Today on our show, Gary Burbank. The first day I was on the air, so I, I go on the air. I did The first thing I did was a newscast. I put on, I think the record was, I'm not sure if it was Willie Bully or, or Andy Williams, but I played it and uh, went to sleep. I was sitting in my chair, went to sleep, woke up, and this was probably about 5, uh, 5.15, and I went to sleep, woke up about 5.35, 5.45, something like that. Gary Burbank is a radio legend in Cincinnati, of course, and indeed nationwide, thanks to characters like Gilbert Gnarly and Earl Pitts American. He joins us to talk about the time Elvis gave him a lift, and for the first time we get the complete verified story from Gary. You want to stay tuned for that. Gary also talks about sports or consequences, including the time Bob Evans stopped by the studio for sports or consequences the same day a penthouse pet showed up. We also hear about Gary's early days as a musician and why he chose to pursue radio, which then included stops at WAKY in Louisville and CKLW in Detroit. Careful crossing that border. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Gary Burbank. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Gary, I was uh, I was out driving with Liza yesterday, getting her driving in, and we drove by a sign that said Husk Varna. <laughs> Oh, who now? What now? Uh, we, we were driving, just driving around just to get her driving in, and we drove by one of the lawn places, and they had a sign for Husk Varna lawnmowers, and it reminded me of Paul Harvey. Uh, oh, Husqvarna. Paul Harvey's twin. No, yeah, I used to do his evil twin, Saul. Yeah, I don't remember that. Saul Harvey. Good. We used to document on his real report sometime. We would stop it. it was, they, they gave it to us on cart. We would I'd stop it. He'd go, good. Oh. And then just <laughs> stop it. And then, you know, wait. It gets, you know, a little dead air, in fact. You're going, yeah. Is it going to finish it? I don't know. Wow, that must have been. Uh, let's play a commercial or two. And play a commercial or two. Come back for you. And finally, after about five minutes, he goes, hey. <laughs> on cart? That must have been a long time ago. Shoot. Oh, yeah, okay. man. I was I was in radio a billion years ago. Oh, I'm, yeah, I imagine so. I, uh, <laughs> I, I only got in around the late 80s. Well, actually, if you count high school, early 80s, I guess. But, yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's when I got to town was the early 80s. Yeah, it was all carts back then, boys. Oh, heck yeah, man. It was carts uh, until, I don't know, as soon as everything went digital, was... I just said, get a producer. I'm, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was carts when I left my uh, last like full radio job, so I never did the digital stuff. Um, uh, oh, man, it's like, uh, it's not, anyway. to me, it just you know has no soul. Although I have a, I have a great machine down here. I have a studio down here. And uh, it, uh, it's, I mean, this machine is, I mean, just easy as pie. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I like the digital, with the, doing Audacity, doing the podcast, everything. It's so easy to do everything, you know, dropping in sound effects or tightening things up or so. I, I do prefer it. I, I cut tape like once in college and never again. <laughs> oh, no, man. I, I cut and tape. Doc and uh, I were like world champions. We used to race. <laughs> and really, uh, <laughs> we, we were quick. Uh, McConnell tells a story. He used to he used to get his wife to do it, and that's why he married her. Uh, she, <laughs> because she because <laughs> he could cut tape. Yeah, they both worked at the station at the University of Dayton. I think Josh mm-hmm. is still getting set up. I'm all good. Oh, cool. All right. Well, what's up, Gary? Hey, who is this really? <laughs> Josh Sneed. Josh Sneed. No, I thought I thought you had gone on to huge things. You did. I did, and then I'm already back from it. <laughs> and you came back. I came back to. <laughs> I, I don't know that I came back. I was sent back. <laughs> I, I, yeah, well, I was relieved of duty. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing okay, man. How you been? Good. Good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, sure. Glad to. This yeah. is a, this is a real honor. Yeah, huge. Uh so I know a lot of people know the some of the backstory, but um, I guess uh, I can't remember. What you're, you're from is it Mississippi or Louisiana originally? I don't I don't even remember. Uh, Memphis, 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 Tennessee. Oh, you are from Memphis. Okay, yeah, I'm from you, Memphis, but but I grew up. My folks are all from Water Valley, Mississippi. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of Elvis. That's what I'm thinking of. Then you so I spend, yeah, yeah. Well, people confuse us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he gave me a ride hitchhiking one time. Yes, the famous the famous Cadillac. Let's get that out of the way now. Let's hear the story that won't yes. die. Yes, yes, go for it. I haven't. I don't know this story. So uh, I'm with a friend, David Welch was his name, and uh, we were about 15 years old hitchhiking in Memphis, and uh, a black Chevrolet panel truck goes goes by us, and I looked in and see this guy in kind of a straw hat, and it was Elvis. And I told my buddy, it was Elvis who went by. He goes, get out of here. What would he be doing driving an old black Chevrolet panel truck? I said, I don't know, but I think that was him. And he turned into a street about two blocks up from us, and I saw him. I went, ah, I guess not. And then I look about a block, uh, you know, three, four minutes later, he's coming out back into the street again. I said, that was Elvis. He's going to pick us up. Sure enough, he pulls over, and we run to the to the car, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I got to say something cool. I got to say something cool. You know, we would slide in and I slide in next to Elvis. Dave slides in the shotgun. And I looked at him and I said, you're Elvis, aren't you? That's all I had. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah. And he, and he starts talking to us about, yeah, that's where we're going. And we told him where he's, I'll take you over there. And uh, so we, uh, we uh, he was telling us about his movies and how, and how they sucked. He, he hated his movies. And uh, he uh, finally, uh, as, as we're, we're walk- he's walking, and I say he's not. He's driving in some 
young girl, about, you know, 19, 18 or 19, is walking down the street. And he said, watch this, man. And so uh, his window's already rolled down because it's, it's summertime. He sticks his head out the window. And he goes, hey, baby. And the girl looked up, mouth dropped open. She walked right into a telephone pole. <laughs> and he's going, hey, man, you see that? You see that? Yeah, Elvis, that was cool. Let's do something else. And, and we, we rolled around with him for about, you know, I bet you a half an hour. And then he, he took me to my house first. And I thought for sure there's usually a thousand kids playing on that block, and there's nobody, nobody. It looks like a <laughs> ghost town. I'm like, come on. Of course. And so I get out of the, the truck and said, "Thanks for the ride, Elvis. Thank you, Elvis." <laughs> Looking around, no, my mother's not out on the porch. Nothing. <laughs> so anyway, so there's nobody to verify that story. So then he takes David home, and uh, my wife, as I told that story, Carol, my wife, she said, "You know, I think that's just another story that you started telling." that you now believe actually yourself that it really did happen. I said, no, no, I swear to God, it did happen. And I, and I was sure it happened. But I wasn't too sure because I have done that. I've, I've embellished before. And uh, so I, uh, we had a high school reunion. And I went and uh, Carol was there and was standing next to me. And I looked up and David walked into the, into the room. And I said, my name is David Welsh. We're going to find out right now. I'm not going to mention that thing about Elvis. Let's just see if he says anything. Because we hadn't talked in that whole time. And yeah. she knew that. And uh, after about oh, four or five minutes of talking, he looked up at me and said, remember the time Elvis picked us up hitchhiking? And Carol's like, oh, my God, it is true. <laughs> and so it was. And so there's an a, a ending to this story. The... Uh, um, I was I played drums with a group called the Marquis. I was one of the 372 original Marquis, huh. and uh, <laughs> and uh, I played with that. I said, who was in the band? Duck Dunn was in the band when I played. Oh wow! And Charlie, yeah, Charlie Freeman, who said Clive Davis said if he puts his if he if he picks his guitar up, every other guitar player in the room puts theirs away. <laughs> he was some really good players, and uh, but anyway, we. Uh, we were, we were, you know, somewhere in Memphis and we went by the Memphian theater. And, and back in those days, there was no VCR, nothing like that. If you want to see a movie, you had to go to a theater. And Elvis would take a whole theater up at, at two, three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we, we were done with our gig about one or two. And so, uh, Charlie Freeman looks up and says, Hey, there's Elvis over there. I mean, that's Elvis in them. We saw the, the Cadillacs and stuff. So we pulled in. And uh, went inside the theater where we, we we knocked on the door. The guy comes up and we told him, you know, we're the Marquis and uh, and wondered if we might be able to come in and watch the movie. And he said, sure. And uh, he'd go ask ask Elvis first of all, whoever's down there. So he goes, he comes back about two three minutes later, and he says, yeah, Elvis likes y'all. And he says, come on in. So we came in and uh, we took our seats on the back row. We we know. The protocol is you don't you don't go in and jump in there beside Elvis. Hey man, how's it going? Yeah. And uh, Elvis and and Red were, were were fighting about something, and uh, so we just sat back there, you know, for about fifteen to twenty minutes. Then I realized, yeah, popcorn and those cokes back there are free. So I got up and I walked through. There was a little, you know, that used to have the curtains that separated the lobby from the uh, theater. And so I went through the curtains and went back and got me got me some popcorn. It was sitting on top. I got a little bag of popcorn. 
and the coke, and I started walking back out. And about that time, through the curtain comes Elvis himself. And he walks by me, and as he walked by, I said, how you doing? He goes, he goes, hi. And, uh, and about two steps past him, I, he goes, hey. And I turned and looked at him, and he said, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm playing drums with the Marquis now. That's great. And he goes on, doesn't say another word. He, I knew he didn't know me because he's met a billion people, but somehow he recognized, this is only a few <laughs> years, this little guy, you know, that, that walked past him. And you could kind of tell that, that he knew he knew me, but he didn't yeah. know from any, you know, Adam, you know, what it was all about. But uh, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. And that's my Elvis story. And that's the true one. That's not the one that had, you know, on the air. I told a lot about how when Ann Margaret was there and she was hitting on me, it made Elvis <laughs> mad. But, but she couldn't resist me. And uh, <laughs> so that's the real true story. So you originally set out to uh, be a musician. I was what? You, you set out to be a musician before you ended up yeah, in oh, broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was a musician. I was in the Army in Germany. And I played with Buddy Pearson and the Blues All-Stars. It was a pretty big, uh, uh, kind of a Ray Charles-type band. And I played with them, and I came back home. And the Marquis had had a hit and called Last Night. And uh, I, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was with them for a long time. And then uh, I remember what, what, what got me into radio, in fact, because I'd always wanted to go to radio. There was a radio school close by called Keegan's uh, in Memphis. And I, I always thought that would be a good idea. You know, maybe that's a backup type thing. And I had played on a session somewhere or whatever. And I, and I got a, a check one day for $52 and that's it. And uh, I got it. And I mean, 10 minutes after I got the check, I get a phone call from Charlie Freeman. He said, I'm, I'm in jail for, uh, uh, I don't know, it's doing, uh, wrecking the peace <laughs> or something. And so I said, uh, I said, how, how much? And he said, $52. <laughs> and I looked at my check and went, well, there goes that one. And I said, that's enough of this, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this this this, uh, this jockey thing out. And I went to radio school and uh, the rest uh, the rest uh, just was, you know, life. But uh, that's, that's how I got into radio, actually. So what, so your, what happened from radio school? Like, how did you end up from radio school in Memphis and Cincinnati? Just a, a job? I went or? to, uh, the, my, my first job was in Lake Providence, Louisiana. 250-watt daytimer, directional, straight up. You could only pick it up in an airplane. I <laughs> 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 was uh, a little station. And then I went to, uh, I, I got moved up uh, uh uh, to, to to Monroe, Louisiana, West Monroe, actually, where, where the Duck Dynasty originates. And uh, so I, I worked there for a while and then and then to Jackson, Mississippi, and then to Memphis back at, uh, you know, at, at, at uh, WMPS. And, you know, you know, the disc jockey life, you're moving back and forth, you know, wherever you can go and uh, ended up going to. Uh, uh, from WMPS, I went to uh, WAKY in Louisville, which was one of my favorite stations I ever worked. In fact, when they did that survey, they found uh, for the best rock station of all time, uh, CKLW uh, won that, and I worked there. And uh, Wacky came in, you know, pretty high, top ten, I think, or pretty close. 
and uh, so you're, a great radio station. You were at Wacky and, before uh, CKLW? Yeah, before CKLW, okay. yeah. All right, and were you and, doing and, characters yeah. and stuff, or huh? were you doing what characters you know? and funny stuff back then, or, or was it Yeah, you I was more... trying to. Okay. You know, yeah, I, I, was, I was building on it, listening to Gary Owens a lot. He's just my hero, you know, and I just thought he was great. And I even sound, I got to where I sounded a lot like Gary Owens. That's why I ended up with the name Gary Burbank. When they with Bob Todd and uh, Dude Walker hired me at Wacky, uh, they both remarked about how you sound like Gary Owens, and they said we're going to have to change your name because I was Johnny Apollo. Uh, and <laughs> Johnny Apollo, your blue-eyed soul brother in the front row, put a little slide, you glide, dip your hip, bump your rump, bless my right on rock and roll so light my candle, make me hard to handle. <laughs> I'm a luchy doing the hoochie coochie, getting down so funky, she done shook a big mama pantyhose down to the ground. Yeah. And, and of course, I hit the post. <laughs> you hit the post, and then oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Johnny Apollo sounds stuff. like a character that you would make up after you became Gary Burbank. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it does, does, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't want to get around him. He was a sleazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so I ended up uh, in in uh, in Louisville, and then went, went to see. No, I went to New Orleans. After uh, Louisville, I went back to New Orleans as a program director, and the manager said, uh, Bill Thomas said, Gary, why do you want to be program director? I said, so I can have ferns in my office, because I had gone to uh, <laughs> uh, school in New Orleans for a while, and, and I mean, I had nothing. I was poor, really poor. And uh, so uh, they, he, they said, okay, you know, uh, you, you can be program director. I said, but wait, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> So he said, I'll be the program director. I said, good idea. But I'll have an office with ferns in it, right? He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had an office with ferns in it overlooking the French Quarter. Stayed there for eh, maybe a year, and then they came and got me from uh, CKLW. And uh, actually, when you when, when you turn the microphone on at CK, you, you, you talk like I'm talking now, but you turn the microphone, and, and it goes, CK, CKLW. You know, you, and, you, and all you said was CKLW. <laughs> he would come out like that. <laughs> and, uh, it was uh, booming. It, it was a great station, and, and I made some great friends, and uh, you know, and still pals with everybody from Wacky and CK. Uh, what a lot of people don't know, uh, we have a, a sister site for Cincy Shirts called Old School Shirts, and we have a Cleveland page. And on the Cleveland page, you will find a CKLW t-shirt because, as I've told Gary before, that's the station my brother and I listened to in the mid-70s. We listened to CKLW from Detroit, even though we lived in Cleveland. And people have even commented on our page there, that's a Detroit radio station. And I'm like, well, not to us. When we were growing up, that was the station. And it was, yeah, yeah. people don't understand how huge that was. I mean, it was it appeared in the books in Cleveland, which for you kids out there means it was in the ratings in Cleveland. It, it was beating Cleveland stations in Cleveland. Yeah, well, I know that because I was sitting there one day and I get a telephone call from a guy at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And he said, we want to do a story uh, on you. And I said, well, you're in Cleveland. Why do you want to do a story on me? He said, you guys are number two in Morning Drive here with a certain demographic. And uh, I said, really? I didn't know that. I'm going to ask for a raise. <laughs> and uh, so... so uh, yeah, Cleveland was 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 a big part of our audience. Even Boston, I mean, it, it hit that east eastern oh, at night. Yeah, yeah, area. yeah. Uh, big, it, was, it was a great section, no doubt about it. I and, mean, it had a lot to do with, you know, what song hits and what song doesn't. 
with uh, Rosalie Cromley, who was the music director there. She's a, she's renowned for being able to pick out songs. And then the Canadians started getting upset because we kept playing so much American music that uh, that uh, they 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 legislated that we had to play two Canadian records an hour, and uh, where before we had snuck in some Canadian stuff. Uh, then everybody got hip to that, and they knew that we were we were obligated to play it. So other stations didn't pick up on the records like they used to. So they really kind of cut their own throats. And you, had, I talked to you about this before because I was uh, I think I was writing a blog post or something. But you actually had to live in Canada at that time. You didn't like. Yeah, I lived in Canada. Yeah, right. Wow. Was was that like any different, or was it just like? You know, did it affect you in any way, or was it? Did, was it just just that's happening? It was like living in Detroit. Could you could have been living in Detroit for? Well, it was okay, except you had to go through the border, and if you uh, if you had a joint or something like that, you know, <laughs> you you had to. Not that I ever did. Uh, <laughs> you, you you had to you know hide it somewhere on you because they they might search you, and uh, so uh, I know one time we were going through and. You know how when you sit down, your pants right around the crotch area, uh, they 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 kind of wrinkle up a little bit. We a friend of mine, we we put our I said let's let's put it right in front of them, right there. So I did. I put it in my lap, and when I set up, you know, my uh, fly comes up over, you know, the uh, the joint. And uh, so the guy comes to the window and says, "Citizen of what country?" And I said, "USA." And then my buddy Lynn King says, uh, and I forgot Lynn gets all nervous at times like this. He said, citizen of what country? He goes, USA, oh, are you, are you, you USA? And the guy looks at me and says, let's go take a look in the trunk. And I'm thinking, huh, how am I going to get up and walk with this thing in my lap? And so I slid out of the car and stayed in the same position, you know, with my back down over backwards and walking to the trunk. And the guy said, you got back problems. I said, oh, that's terrible. It's awful back problems. <laughs> and he goes, I got them too. He starts telling me about his medical history. And I started to open the trunk. He said, oh, that's okay. Just get on back in. Okay, thank you. So I waddled the back in and, and went on. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I think I've heard that story. So how'd you end up from Detroit? Was it Detroit to Cincy? <laughs> no, it was Detroit to, to back to Louisville uh, okay. at, at WHAS. And I worked there for four or five years. And then ran into it. We've all run into the uh, the station manager who, uh, for some reason, doesn't like us. And you don't even know the guy. This guy was kind of an egomaniac. And he, uh, he the first time I, I he'd been at the station, I think, about a week. And half the sales department had quit. And he just was making everybody mad. And I just decided to lay low. And I'm sitting there on the air one day, newscast comes on. He walks in the control room and says, so you're Gary Burbank. And I went, yeah. And he says, you get paid too much. You make too much money. I said, I can really help you out on that. And so I took my headsets and put them in my briefcase. That's all I had because I didn't have a contract. My contract had run out six months before or something like that. And they were going to work out one. Don't worry about it. Okay. And so uh, he said, where are you going? I said, I'll be across the street kicking your butt. And uh, <laughs> you can't do that. Yes, I can. And uh, so I went out the back door. He, he followed me out to the parking lot. In the meantime, we've got a news person that's trying to stretch a newscast from five minutes to ten minutes. And so he <laughs> finally, finally said he would give me a 5% raise. 
and a new contract. And I said, okay, so, which we never did, by the way. So I went back in and went on the air and uh, stayed there a little longer. And um, I was having a lot of trouble working without a producer. I had gotten used to having a producer. And uh, so and I, I was missing spots and stuff, you know. And, and uh, I, I told him, I said, let me hire a producer. He goes, uh, no, if, if you get a producer, Wayne Perkins will want one, too. I said, well, tell him to pay for it like I'm going to pay for it. And uh, no, no, no. So I, I, this, this was his chance. And I knew I said, you know what? This isn't working anyway. I mean, you know, although I had, you know, we had great numbers. And, uh, so I left and, uh, Randy Michaels called and went down. He, he said, can you work one book in uh, Florida? I said, yeah, I can. So uh, it was the wintertime. I went down, down, came down here to work. And then I went back, went back up to, uh, uh, that's that's when I went back to uh, WWW. Where was what's that station I worked at for twenty seven years? <laughs> WL, yeah, WLW. Yeah. <laughs> so WLW for twenty seven years, and then I I don't know where I am now. I don't, it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long? So did your ties in? Florida, like how quickly did they um, start carrying your show once you moved to WLW? Was that something that had to? Yeah, there were there, there were took a while to grow. Yeah. No, not really, not that much at all. And uh, you know, I, I did I did the Earl Pitts character, and uh, WFLA in Tampa has carried it from day one. Uh, I think uh, thirty five or thirty six years. Uh, uh, it's it's been running. It's it's Earl Pitts is the longest running comedy syndication ever in radio. <laughs> wow. Short form, and uh, I don't know if I, I'm proud of that or not. <laughs> Absolutely. What what? So okay. So we talked about like your geography switches. Like, what, were the characters something that you were doing from the beginning, or when did you start doing them? Well, probably from the beginning, yeah, because the first day I was on the air, the very first day, remember I'd been a musician all that time. I was accustomed to going to bed at three o'clock in the morning, and uh, I uh, I was up up late, I guess, and so I, I got in. I had already been to the station for the weekend, learned the board, and was able to do a show from there. So I came in. I had the key, and I opened it up. It was it was a daytime, so I, I go on the air. And, uh, I did the first thing I did was a newscast and, uh, and they, and they had this real long, you know, from, from around the world, across the street, up your block, you know, KLPL uh, news. And so after the five minute intro, I come, I come in to do the newscast and I did that. Okay. And then, uh, I put on, I think the record was, I'm not sure if it was Wooly Bully or, or Andy Williams. I'm not sure. <laughs> they don't sound anything alike, but I can't remember what it was. But I played it and uh, went to sleep, uh, sitting in my chair, went to sleep, woke up. And this was probably about 5, uh, 5.15 that I went to sleep, woke up about 5.35, 5.45, something like that. And, and, and the record's going, shook, shook. <laughs> <laughs> He's going, yeah. So I turn on the microphone and I say, that was Andy Williams. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, nobody, 
I made up my spots. I made up my, my spots. And uh, no one ever said a word. No, no one said anything. And I thought, there's no one listening to this radio station. <laughs> you know, so I can do anything I want to do. So I started, I started doing characters then. I would, I would come in one day as, as a different person and do, you know, the first 30 minutes, you know, as that character. Uh, I had, I had two, I had, I did a double show, me and a guy, Gary. No, no, I can't remember the name of the characters I gave him, but like, it was, a, it was a, a two man show and I was both men. And, uh, so I, and, and no one ever said a word and I, I don't, I don't guess they either didn't care or they didn't listen, which gave me a chance to yeah. do a lot of stuff, you know, and, and, I, and I got started then and I was trying to do characters, you know, but that wasn't very, that wasn't very good. And then I was forcing, I was talking like this on the radio in round pear shaped tones. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to do characters. <laughs> That's how you sound. Well, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I, you know, like there's just things from from your from your life that you look back and you're like, I remember where I was when this happened, right? Yeah. And I remember I remember exactly where I was the first time that I ever listened to you. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was working at the Cincinnati Sports Mall on Red Bank Road, and I was running the batting cages. And my high school baseball coach was. He he ran the baseball academy, so there were me and a couple of my high school teammates that would would work there. And we were talking. I was in the middle of a conversation with him, and he goes, "Hold on a second, Gilbert Gnarly's about to come on." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "He goes, you know who Gilbert Gnarly is?" And I was like, "No, I, I was never heard of that before." And he goes, "Well, just listen to this." And so I, in his office at the Cincinnati Sports Mall, he turned on and there was a phone call where Gilbert called KY Jelly and told <laughs> them that, that he thought he had gotten a bad batch of KY Jelly because he put some on his toast and it didn't taste he, right. Yeah, he called it Kentucky Jelly. Kentucky Jelly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept saying, this is, this, is, this, is, this is Kentucky and this is KY Jelly. Yeah, Kentucky Jelly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, it still makes me laugh. And then, and then, when she says, she says uh, something about like, like it has a rather neutral taste on toast. And, <laughs> and oh gosh! But I yeah, remember, I remember that to this day. I was, I was 16 years old, you know, and I'm 42, 43 now. So, well, that that's like, one. Of, oh, that's one of those things that you have to. That's, a lot of it is ad lib. You know, Doc and I would write this out, but it never went the way that you wanted it to go. And so there's a, I mean, you, 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 but you do have a place to jump back, you know, a script to jump back to if you, if it gets slow. And uh, so we used to write it out. And that, but that was one where I didn't really, I didn't even use a script hardly, I don't think. I just, just jumped into it and they were so good that, uh, that it really worked well. I called, uh, uh, what was the one about that? I always liked the one where Gilbert was, was calling, wanted to make sure he wasn't crazy. And, uh, and, uh, but, but, but the line, and it was an ad lib line <laughs> that just killed Doc. And Gilbert was going to uh, uh, say, like, uh, I forgot something, some, 
something about uh, I'll never remember, but it was I, I said something about why not? Uh, oh, he's talking about. I don't think they ought to call him Crazy Horse either. You know, the chief. Uh, <laughs> he should be called Mentally Impaired Horse. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 she well, I don't. And I talked her into it though. And you know, <laughs> like she finally she's going. You know that does make sense. Uh, yes, I, you know he shouldn't be called crazy. No, because I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, gosh! I, I haven't thought about that in fifty years, probably. You know, or thirty years, and you just struck a nerve somehow. And I, I haven't even talked about it to anybody. I just never remembered it. Well, I mentioned before on the show that the things to crack me up about Gilbert was not even before you even started talking when you heard that music start. And then the dial tone, I would start chuckling already because I knew something hilarious was about to happen. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Thank you. Yeah. It was. It, it, most of them turned out pretty good. I mean, there there was some, there was a very strange ones, and uh, uh, and uh, calling the White House. They, I, I call the White House so many times. My name is Gilbert Poole. They'd hang up on. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, so. But I was trying to sell them aluminum siding. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, this is the White House. Yes, this will, this will be quite a coup if you do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I just, you know, like, I don't know if, if I miss, like, the innocence of, of not knowing, but, like, I just remember, you know, like, not knowing that, like, Earl Pitts was also Gary Burbank. You know, I'd see like the, the television commercials. So it wasn't even like it was just a voice character. You know, it was like, a yeah, like it's like a real person, you know. And uh, and I just I just I don't know. I was always uh, I was always well, amazed Earl. to find out like all these people are the same guy. But like a senseless survey, that was not. A whole lot of what, you know, I had been pretty good, I guess, you know, and worked at some big stations and stuff. I did well, but I never really shined, I don't think, comedically until Doc Wolf started with me. The, the guy is, 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 is just an absolute comedic genius. And uh, he, he was also uh, the B-type personality to my A-type personality to where he, he would take me to where I wanted to go and then jump out of the way and let me do that. And, and then I would do a punchline. He, he, even though it wasn't written, you know, he, he knew how to. And it's so important, you know, to have someone like that. And, and working with him was just, I mean, absolutely, you know, the high point of my career. Well, it's funny you say that because, I mean, I can only imagine what it must be like to do that, like, every day for as long as you did. But even just as a comedian who has to go do a lot of radio stations, uh, you know, to promote the shows when I have them in, in those cities, like the good radio and the bad radio are separated for me by the interaction I have with that person. You know, like I right. could deliver the same joke on one station versus another. And if I know they're listening to me and they're laughing and they're sort of like, you know, that they're emoting it, it helps me get into my rhythm more than if they just ask a question and start doing five or six different things while I'm answering it, clearly not paying attention to what I'm saying. Exactly. And, and that's how Doc and I were together. I mean, he, I, I get started on something and he'd take me there, you know, he, you know, he knew uh, where I was headed 
and uh, and he probably already knew the the punchline that I had in mind, and uh, and would it would get get me to that point, and uh, I could do it. It was it was like uh, the, the fun to work. I mean, we did. I was talking to uh, George Carlin came in uh, to CKLW. We did a we did a show together uh, there one morning, and he when he got off at the, the hotel or somebody, they didn't send a car for him, so we spent a, man, an hour and a half just talking about stuff and we were talking about that very thing like he had tried to work with people and uh and you know he just couldn't do it you know he uh, he never found uh, dr wolf you know what i mean he never found someone like that in radio and, and he said that uh he you know he'd known about me and, and he and he said uh that uh, he said you do more material in a week than i'll do in my lifetime i said yeah but it's not nearly as good <laughs> he also yeah, so we had a running joke. One time, uh, he was he was do, making an appearance, and I he that, you know we met at CKLW. Back when then, I went back to uh, WHAS. He came in and did a show at the auditorium there. He was uh, uh, I walked back to the green room, and hey, you know, we sit down, and uh, he said um, he was talking about this or that, and he said, by the way, is, is you got any coke? And I, and, I, and I looked over and I, I had my I remember I had my feet on the table or something and I looked over to, over to, in the in the in the cooler and I said there's there's a sprite here and he's he was looking at me and he gets his deadpan look like nah Gary um, I'm like oh uh, no man I can't <laughs> then then I thought well I, I do know somebody that's sitting in the first row out there that could help out so uh, anyway but. Every time he would come, you know, and this is three or four times come in, and I was supposed to do an interview. He'd always start the interview off with like, "Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about how hip Gary Burbank is." Not <laughs> 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 But uh, but we did we did pretty good day. we did pretty good going back and forth though. I thought you know I don't know if he thought so, but I did. That's so cool. I'm so jealous of that. Yeah, he, he's 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 a wonderful, wonderful guy. Just really good. But you know, you know, he would never. He he didn't like to talk about uh, comedy because he said, you know, he said I will absorb what you tell me, and it'll come out, you know, mine. <laughs> he said I don't, I don't want to take anything away from you. And uh, wow. And, but but we and we never talked about comedy that much. Oh man. I, I I also remember when I quit PNG to do stand up full time. And I think I, I might have told the story when we had Doc on the show. <clears throat> I go to Florida, to Tampa, and I'm at this club called Side Splitters, and I'd never been there before. And it was one of the first road gigs I had as like a full time comic. And I walk into the club, and they've got this merchandise case with like all these different comedians who who had recorded their albums at the club. Mm-hmm. And then I keep looking, I'm like, Oh, look here. So-and-so and so-and-so. And then there's a Gary Burbank CD and cassette tape at the end of the oh. case. And I'm just like, what? And I, <laughs> I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I was in Tampa, Florida and there was the comedy club was selling the best of Earl Pitts and Gary Burbank best of CDs and tapes. It probably was. It was probably the bin was full because nobody bought one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. 
Yeah, well, good. Yeah. They, uh, in fact, I'm in, I live in Florida now. I, I don't live in Tampa. I'm about 65 miles north of Tampa. And, uh, and I have, I have some friends that live, live, you know, in this area here. And, uh, so been here for, you know, been here for 20 years. And, uh, it's, uh, I, I do, I, I got back into music again, but, you know, with a guy named, uh, uh, I can't even name now. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting really old, man. This <laughs> is ridiculous. Uh, Nathan Witt uh, and myself, and uh, we we uh, formed a group and we uh, did, did a CD for for Play It Forward. Uh, we started a, an organization uh, to help musicians. You know who Larry Goshorn is, right? Yep, from from the Goshorn Brothers uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and Marshall Tucker and Band Pure and, and Pure Prairie League. Yeah, yeah. Amy. Yep. And so uh, Larry uh, had, had a cold for like a man, he had a cold for like a month. And one day they came in to play Stump the Band. And uh, as as we're leaving, I said, man, you need to see a doctor about that. He goes, I can't afford it. And I said, wait a minute. I mean, you're Larry Goshorn. You, I mean, <laughs> the, the best known, well, you know, well-loved, you know, music guy in this city. Uh, and uh, And you can't go to the doctor? So we got talking about it, and I and I put some people together, and we all uh, was you know sat down and, and and talked about you know what we need to do is start an organization, and uh, Bill White uh, at the time he was part of it, and Bill and Bill yep. said let's let's call it let's call it play it forward instead of you know pay it forward. Yep. Was, yeah, and so we we did, and uh, it's been for well, right now. I've more or less put up and been put. Because I'm out of town, I'm unable to get to all the meetings. So uh, I, I'm kind of like, a, a, what do you call, the advisory board. And uh, so they, uh, they're right now with you know with no gigs going on hardly at all, uh, we've been able to you know get enough money to you know uh, to help people out and, and pay some rent and stuff like that. Now that's only we, we can only do that. We can't you know take you know, we don't have the kind of money to. Uh, you know, uh, uh, pay somebody's hospital bill or something like that. We, we, you know, we can't do that. But we could, if a guy, you know, say if a guitar player smashes his fingers, you know, uh, in a car door or something, he can't work for six months. We can pay his rent. You know, that kind of thing. Now, I did a co- I did a charity event at Go Bananas for that um, once. Oh, good. Where we had stand up and musicians. And I, I, it escapes me the girl who was sort of in charge of it for a while, um, but she had she had put it together. And I think you might have actually stopped out to the comedy club that night. Um, I think I did. A long I think time. I did. I remember something about that. And you just uh, uh, you just said a few words on stage, but I remember yeah, I said yeah, I can't that Gary Burbank that, was I, in the audience. I, I I can't stand. I don't know how you do that. I, I, I've gotten up and tried. And, and, and I was always okay, you know, but never, you know, I think people would go, you know, they, they would think like, uh, you know, I thought he'd be funnier. <laughs> I, kept, I kept seeing people mouth that, you know, like, I thought he'd be funnier. And, but, would you see, but wouldn't radio be, you know, like when I go do gigs where I'm not going as a comedian, I'm going as like an MC or an auctioneer or something. Yeah. It's like when I'm funny, it's a bonus because there's not that expectation of, well, he better be funny. 
but you had, but you kind of had that with radio, right? Because you were yeah. just really good at radio, but also hilarious, which was just such a bonus. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it made it fun to come to work every day. I mean, and we would think of, of things would just pop up and and. Like like Chris Chris Collinsworth, you know, I got to work with people like that, a great guy, and uh, and but people would always kid Chris about you know being but talking like this and everything, you know, and uh, we we had him covering Wimbledon at one point, and uh, I, I had produced it. I, I got the sound effect of you you know the tennis ball going you know and hitting the ball back and forth, and Chris Collinsworth going. Boom, he hit it. Boom, uh, he hit it. Boom, he hit it. Boom, he hit it. Boom, he hit it. <laughs> and, you know, and then we go, okay, let's take it back here. And Chris comes in that day, you know, and, and he, you know, we're doing something else by the He walks into the control room and just, you know, leans over and looks at me and just smiles. And, and, and I was like, well, I'm glad you're smiling. <laughs> you know? But, uh, I mean, you, you got him right there. He could just hit me on top of the head, break my ankles. Oh, man. Well, a lot of so people don't funny. realize too, though, is you know, even with all that local flavor, that for a long time, uh, well, there's two unique things about the show. One, it was an afternoon radio comedy show, which was very rare in the United States. Every market has a dopey morning zoo. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. And it was nationally syndicated for what good, what seven, eight, nine, ten years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. All over the country, yeah. So uh, yeah, for a while there it was yeah. I, but I had trouble. With that, I, I, you know, I like doing it and it was cool and, and, and uh, some good markets and everything, but I had trouble with it because I, I couldn't focus on Cincinnati the way I wanted to, you know, like, you know, the hunt for reds, October, all my Bengals. Oh and yeah. I, 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 you know, I couldn't do that stuff. I, I had to do, you know, national stuff all the time and uh, it was okay. I mean, and, and it worked good and everybody liked it. Uh, not everybody, but you know, I'm sure that a lot of people liked it, and uh, so it was okay, you know. But it, it wasn't. I liked better, you know, being local. Uh, Doc was alluding to that when he was on about how there was just you know certain things. We've said this before, like you know, it's a, it's a, a situation where like part of being that that local flavor, which Josh, you've said this before, is people just don't, don't zero in on that anymore for some reason. Um, yeah, is that if you. The thing is, if you get the joke, you really get the joke. And like, oh well, if you're not from here, you you wouldn't understand that joke. So it, it feels right, even yeah. more special to you, yeah. But you wonder why? I kept thinking to myself. Excuse me. That that there there are guys in New York that, that do it. They have national shows, and uh, they only talk about New York. But that's okay. But you can't only talk about Cincinnati because Cincinnati's not New York, I guess. Well, I guess it's yeah, makes it even better. I, I don't like it at all. I, I yeah. don't like the, it, you know, I, we've talked in, on this podcast before about, you know, if you want to hear a song, there's a million places you can go to hear your favorite song. You don't have to sit around and wait for it to come back around on the radio anymore. Right. So right. the one thing that radio provides that nowhere else does is localized content. You know, you still have to go there for traffic mm -hmm. and news and everything else it's like why, mm -hmm. why aren't you talking about local stuff because that's the only place you can get it yeah exactly well but uh you know and i did the afternoons because my stuff was a little too uh someone called it esoteric i'm not sure what that means <laughs> uh secretive <laughs> but i i think i think i know what it means but uh 
that, that my material is better in the afternoon because it's it's not in your face all the time. You know, it's it's there's there's some things that are happening that are uh, a, a little you know out there <clears throat> where where you you're driving along, you hear the you hear the bit, and then uh, five minutes later you go, oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't meant to shock. Mm. It was as more, uh, I would say, more cerebral, and that probably had a lot to do with, you know, Doc's That's influence. That's a good certainly. word. Let me write that down. I'm, <laughs> I was more cerebral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> people hadn't, yeah, people hadn't been awake long enough to to get right. They, they, you know, and, and they would hear me, you know, don't make me holler, don't let the pockets inside out since the property suffers, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's just too much in the morning. Even Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want to talk about sports or consequences. Oh yeah, that was fun, man. That, that that was a break every day. We we'd have a different restaurant, bring some really great food in, you know. And anybody who wanted to could come in. I had a studio full of people in there. Yeah, one time, what my favorite my favorite time was I had my guest was Roy Rogers, and they screwed up and double booked. It was Roy Rogers and the Penthouse play play playmate of the year, <laughs> and with Roy Rogers and her, it's kind of like so. The, the studio is full of guys, and she's just kind of standing. I'm I'm trying to you know bring her into the conversation. And what the hell do you say to her? Like you know, nice, uh, yes. but you know, you, you, that doesn't work. <laughs> so you know, with Roy Rogers there, you got to be kind of cool, and he's Roy Rogers. He doesn't. I mean, he came in dressed like Roy Rogers. <laughs> I love that about him, you know. And uh, so uh, they, uh, but the funny thing that happened to me was, I mean, was they, as we're talking, she's just basically being ignored by all the people in the room. And uh, only Roy Rogers could do that. And uh, she finally, we took a break, something like she, and she looks at me and goes, she, it, it, where he could hear, she goes, "Who's hey, Roy Rogers?" And then all these guys turned to her and said, "What are you talking about? Who's Roy Rogers?" And, and these guys are yelling at the playmate of the year. Says, "Shut up!" <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I remember I would take questions that I heard on there and then impress my friends. Oh yeah, yeah. With, with, with your like, knowledge. Yeah. My favorite. My favorite question we got was a little kid calling. He wanted to know who Karim uh, uh, D. Abeljabber uh, was uh, in, in this certain sport. And we're like, you know, who Karim D. Abeljabber? And uh, we're going, Andy Mack is trying to figure it out. And he's saying, well, no, you're this. And no, it's not him. So finally we give in and say, okay, kid, you got us. Uh, uh, and it turned out to be, no, no. That was the answer. I screwed this. I just screwed this story up. That, that, that's the answer. He said, we, we guessed the answer. He said, no. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, no. So I said, no, no, no. Finally, we said, who was it? He goes, Karim Diablo-Jabbar. <laughs> I see, that's why, that's why I can't do stand-up right there. Karim <laughs> <laughs> Diablo-Jabbar. Yeah, I love that kid. I don't know who he is, but I still love that kid. Now he's probably 50 years old. Hey guys, cute kid. <laughs> yeah, cute kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I I wanted to call forever, and uh, I 
I finally got through one day and I had used the question that one of my professors in college had given us and I and I figured out the answer and I was like, oh, I'm gonna call in the sports or consequences of this. And I called in and I got hung up on right away because apparently I guess he had learned it from sports or consequences and so many people uh, had tried to call in and suggest it. <laughs> when I called it, I was like Okay, that question is officially retired. We're not taking any more calls with this person. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so brokenhearted that I finally oh, got sorry. through. Well, well, you know, who, you know who, you know who was a big part of sports consequences was Bob Trumpy. Yeah, he, uh, he come in every day, and he's the one that originated the "We don't, we don't, we don't mess around." Hey, <laughs> and uh, he was he was great on there. I remember driving around one time and somebody had called the show and was trying to – it was it – it opened the floor for other – besides sports questions and someone was saying, you know, oh, where were the uh, exterior shot for the Banana Splits Saturday morning show? And the guy was trying to tell people that they were uh, shot at Kings Island, which hadn't opened yet. And I called Rob immediately on the hotline and said, don't let this guy fool you. I, it would, they were shot in Texas. They weren't shot in Cincinnati. Uh, and Rob stuck to his gun. No, nope, no, nope, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> There was uh, there, there were some great questions uh, that were on there that were like, uh, uh, and and they happened um, pretty frequently, you know. And Andy Mack was the absolute uh, uh, best on there. Yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you about a great radio show. Is the the best radio show I've ever heard in my life was Bob Trumpy doing sports talk, and I really think he's the first guy ever to do sports talk on radio like that. But Trumpy had a woman call in threatening to commit suicide. And this was for real. I mean, you, you, at, at first you're wondering, what? No, she's, and, and Trump is trying to talk her down. The show lasted, what, two or three hours? Two or three hours. And then, uh, Trumpy trying to get this woman's head on straight so she wouldn't kill herself. And, uh, he, he was able to do it. And uh, then at the end of the show, she said, I'm, I'm going to think more about this. I, da, 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 I won't do it. Da, 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 da. Okay. But the, the, the magic of that show was Trumpy was able to take every break he was supposed to take. And he played all his commercials. What? I never heard that, that story. Amazing? Wow. Yeah. No, that, 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 he got every commercial in. <laughs> and she still didn't kill herself. I mean, I think on the second commercial set, I'd have done myself in right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The question that I called in was uh, name, it was like name five NCAA schools who don't have a color in the name of their mascot or something like that. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember. Or no. Yeah, it was that. It was a color or an S. Those were the two. Oh, okay. Were the two? Um, you know, because everything was plural. You know, mm-hmm. so like right, I yeah. was so proud that I was able to figure it out. You know, it was like the Stanford Cardinal, yeah. the Green Wave. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. I can't. The Tulane Green Wave. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's got a color in it. Yep. Oh, oh, it's oh, it's the restrict. There you go. I remember the one question that finally got banned was I don't even know how many it is. Josh, you'll know this. That this is it five or six ways you can reach first base in baseball. Oh yeah, yeah. That one got retired. 
Yeah, because we, we, we answered that like once a week for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to do a t-shirt with we don't, we don't, we don't mess we around. We found the artwork for us. Someone sent us an original Sports or Consequences t-shirt with we don't mess around, and it's it's sitting in oh. our – it's in our design queue uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, somebody yeah. was telling me, somebody was telling me at, it was either, uh, it was either a bingo game or, or, or something like that. Uh, they used to play football in, in Cincinnati, you know, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, th- th- that there were people all around them yelling, we don't, we don't, we don't mess around. And even, even now, you know, that they, they were yelling. It. Yeah. People That's still remember that. Yeah. And that, and that came from Trumpy. Trumpy started that, not me. So when did you venture into the restaurant business? That was like a, a an ill-fated trip for me. <laughs> I'm not a real good uh, businessman. I believe anybody, anything anybody says. But we did really good for like 20 years. It was open, and uh, and in fact, during that time, the people, the guys who wrote the book, Real Barbecue, they they came around and uh, and they, sure enough they hit us and they go in and uh, we we got we got uh, five you know five stars as many stars as you can get and and there was no place in Memphis that even did did it, uh, any better than us and uh, we had we had a guy named Ken Sharon who worked with me and Ken uh, had uh, I got him together with a guy in Memphis that you know Memphis invented barbecue I don't care what anybody says. But uh, they and uh, he he worked with him and learned the trade man learned to smoke, learned you know exactly how to do it right. Me, I couldn't I couldn't make anything like that. But what I could I, I was a connoisseur because I'm from Memphis and it, it just comes natural. <laughs> See, so that's I, so funny because until this conversation and knowing that you were from Memphis, I never would have pieced together why you did barbecue theme for the restaurant, but it makes total sense now. Yeah. I grew up there. You know, we ate barbecue at least once a week and, uh, and, and our ribs were killer. And, they were uh, so it, good. It, it, and the catfish it, it was, was good a, too. It was a good place. I was very, very proud of it. Yeah. It was I yummy. Wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't a good wow, businessman. I mean, I, I, I had put the wrong people in the wrong place and, and then, and didn't really police anything. And, you know, uh, I kind of, so was it, I guess that was my question. I didn't run was, it. Was it something I, I you always? Was I, I it something that you always wanted to do, or was it like, oh, Willie's got his sports bars, and that's just what you do? You become no, famous enough in your I, city to open a restaurant with your. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, that's what it was. Now, what it was was uh, one of the salesmen at the station came in and said, "This uh, this restaurant out uh, in Sharonville is going to close, but the guy wonders if you would like to, because uh, I talk about barbecue and stuff a lot." And I said, sure, I'll talk to him. And so we all got together and decided that uh, we'll call it, they said, we'll call it Burbanks. And uh, so all, I didn't run the place. I had nothing to do with uh, hiring, firing, nothing like that. All I did was just, you know, walk around with uh, with a glass of Jack and Coke. And uh, and, and, make, and and I did make sure that I, I had to make sure the food was good and the music was good, you know, and uh we played blues in the blues room, and it was cool. It was a very cool place. It really was. Right next to Malibu. Yeah, and that was when it was at its best, I thought. That's awesome. So what, what are you doing now? What, what are you doing to enjoy life? I live, I live uh, right now, I'm hiding from the virus. 
Uh, every now and then I see it coming and, and I dive under the bed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, but I have to be really careful. I have COPD. And uh, if it hits me, I'm dead in the water. So I'm, I'm like uh, uh, being really careful. And uh, so I've been inside mostly, but I live on a, on a uh, th- this is nature coast. So there, there are no beaches anywhere near here. Uh, but it's, it's beautiful here for the, uh, I live on the Rainbow River and the river is, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not a, not a big expensive place or anything like that, you know, but like the river is, um, clear. I mean, it's, I, I usually use the term, it's as clear as, as gin and just as intoxicated. Uh, you go sit out there and you, it's just, you know, can you imagine a running river with an ice current? And uh, it's seven miles long, and it's just as clear as a bell. And you jump in, and the water is 72 degrees year-round. It never changes. And uh, it's uh, just a beautiful place. I had a friend that lived on it, and that's how I was introduced to it. And uh, so Carol and I, my wife Carol and I, decided that, well, you know, this would be a good place to build a retirement place. And so we did. And... Uh, and it's uh, it basically I do a little fishing. I did play a lot, a whole lot of golf, but I, golf went away. I don't know why. Like I, I guess I got too old. So I can't swing. But uh, uh, they, uh, it's just, a, it's just a, you know, warm. Mostly, you know, it's it's a little cooler than say uh, Tampa is, but uh, not much. But it's 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 a nice place. And we Very play cool. some music. We, we play some music. I got you know, my my buddies. We'll, we'll do. A, show every now and then and uh, that's when i have to do earl pitts you know live you know it makes me sick <laughs> you know my, my favorite intro you know it makes me some man i'm gonna drop my pants take a butter knife spread alpha all over my butt cheeks and super glue my tongue to a fire hydrant and wait for a pack of wild pit bulls to come along and lick it off <laughs> and, <laughs> that is descriptive <laughs> except for one thing i forgot alpo do they may even make Alpo anymore? <laughs> That's a dog. It used to be a dog food. Somebody yeah. brought that to my attention. Yeah. I said, hey, I don't get to laugh on her. I should. But they don't know what Alpo is. <laughs> it's like asking for Anison when you have a headache or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't let that past slip in there when you get this old. I'm, 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 I'm pushing. I'm 78. And, uh, and, uh, it's, but I feel pretty good. I mean, I, I do okay. I mean, I, I, I can, I can, uh, I can, I can. The only thing I've got, uh, the problem I've got medically is, I is the, there are these birds, uh, cormorants that land on my dock, and they they crap out there. And uh, every time I see one standing out there in the morning, I know what he's about to do, and I I took off running. This this happened three times in a year, uh, last year. I, 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 just to chase him off, you know. But if I could have caught him, I would have. Uh, but when I get close enough, he flies away. But uh, my problem is, is we had just painted the dock, uh, and I, I hit it, and I had on socks, and I started sliding. <laughs> I slid all the way up to the cormorant. The cormorant was like, "My God, he's going, he's going to get me this time." And I was real close, except I looked up and I saw my feet above my head. I'm wondering. Well, that's not the way it my feet so <laughs> that, that's not standing up and boom my head hits that thing i, I did it uh, knocked me out and uh so my doctor i said i think i'm getting uh, some some dementia 
He said, no, I think you've got something worse than that. I think you've had some mini strokes here. And, uh, and, and, and I, and I do every now and then I get a little, you know, a little dizzy, but, uh, so far I'm okay. Every once in a while I'll post something on Facebook and I'll see Gary Burbank like this. And it's yes. like the most, it's, the, I can't tell you like how, like if that's the only person that likes it, that's all that matters to me. Oh, that's great. Thank you. The, the, today I got into it. I've learned to not argue with the Trump, you know, people, because uh, you're not going to win. I, I saw, I saw, this was on about a year or two ago, and it said arguing with a Trump fan is like playing chess with a pigeon. It craps all over the board, declares itself a winner, and flies away. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and 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 I'm not a, I, I'm not a Trump fan, no. But on the other hand, I'm also not a liberal. I I, I go, you know, I, I vote, you know, who, you know, for the issue. And a lot of things I see in there, like uh, I enjoy I enjoy Facebook pretty good, and and. Uh, uh, met some old friends too, that which is really cool, you know. People, you know, is this is this is this my real name is Billy, and uh, and uh, but nobody calls me that. I mean, nobody in my family, nobody. Uh, it's just they, they 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 just you know they've all got names for me that are real weird. <laughs> my 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 nieces and nephews call me Uncle Billy Bob. I don't know where the Bob came from. You know, my uh, grandkids call me Mopper. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll wrap it up here, but I could fan, uh, I could fanboy all day. Um, your your career is just it, like how popular that you got in a time where social media wasn't a thing, and it wasn't easy to share content like it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that speaks volumes to just how talented you were and how ahead of the time you were. But is there any part of you now that that's like if you and maybe there's stuff you did then that you couldn't get away with doing now. But do you ever like wish you had your your chance with the way that things can go viral today? Like what might have been if you were just now? Yeah, in, in, in a way, I, I was I was thinking about what you're doing right now. Uh, and uh, my daughter was going to produce it, uh, uh, and I, uh, I, I, anyway, but she got busy when all this stuff hit. She's a, a college professor, and so she couldn't do anything, so I was trying to get somebody else to help me out with it. So, But I, I put eight-hour-long shows of just bits, you know, and uh, someone said, no, you need to come in between those bits and talk and stuff. And I go, I don't want to do that. I already did that. <laughs> you know, set them up. So uh, I think I'm happy with just what I'm doing, and and, and it's just uh, nothing much, really. But it's, you know, I just uh, yes, it, it's, it's a nice place. That I'm fine. <laughs> I keep telling myself that you're fine. You're fine. It's okay. <laughs> you don't need to do anything else. <laughs> Take a break. You've earned it. Thank you. Now, see, I wasn't going to do that, but now I'm going to. So if people do want to keep up with the the stuff that you're doing, do you get on social media much more than to just poke around? Do you have do you post what you're doing on there? When no, you, no, no, when I you don't. Do anything I, I, new? 
No, I, I, I don't. I don't post uh, much. I, I just like, or maybe I'll uh, share. I like to share. You know, if I see a funny bit or something like that, or it's, and sometimes I'll do one. I think it's funny. You know, and uh, but uh, that's about all the social media I do is that. And don't, I don't do a whole lot. All right. Well, PF, anything else from you before we wrap it up? No, we didn't even get to the Who Shot Jr. record, but that'll be for another time. <laughs> Why did the people all hate him so? Why they shot him, I'll never know. He's the star of the picture show, Jr. I'll make that. I'll make that the playout song from interviews, if people can enjoy that. Because uh, I think you know what was really weird about that was like that. That song was was, was it, it debuted on on Billboard. Uh, 70 or something like that and it was going all the way and and the record company and it's just typical my luck the record company went bankrupt <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was like what and uh they had to they had they it was like it still sold a million somebody made some money it wasn't me and uh and uh in fact i never really did clean up like i thought i should <laughs> well uh you know i think it I think that uh, this podcast is a good indicator of just how amazing your career has been, where you could have three stories about George Carling, Roy Rogers, and Elvis Presley, and none of them, you know, they're all just like little footnotes of your of your life and career. <laughs> yeah. For most people, one of those would be like the story that they told everybody every day for their entire life. Well, let's do this again, and I've got a few more. Cool. <laughs> I would love it, man. Um, so the last thing we ask of you is when people listen to this episode, we like to give them a coupon that they can use on the website and it'll save them some money. Uh, and that coupon is good until our next episode comes out and we let our guests pick what that coupon word is. So could you give us a, a word to use that'll save people a little bit of money? Uh, oh, just, just a word. Yep. Word uh, or phrase. How about, how about no, not afraid. The amazing Crypto? No, yes. <laughs> the amazing Crypto is is Gilbert's, uh, Gilbert's dog. dog. Yeah, Gilbert's dog. <laughs> okay, I love it. There it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect. <laughs> and Doc came up with that. Or one of the funny things Doc ever did to make me laugh was that we were in the middle of a bit. We we're doing this bit, and he all of a sudden had to do the voice voice of a Middle Eastern. Uh, uh, I've forgotten what he was, but he just he just says, "My name is Abul Alcidion." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not Abul. Yeah, amazing Crepso. Amazing, amazing Crepso. All right, we'll do it. There you go. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So that will save you twenty percent on your order at uh, CincyShirts dot com, uh, or in our Over the Rhine store. So come in and uh, and tell them that you heard Gary Burbank on the podcast, and they'll save you. 20% until the next episode comes out. Gary, I, uh, it is, it is an honor to know you and, uh, to think back to the first time that I heard your voice all the way till now to, to get to talk to you. It's just as special this, this many years later. So I appreciate you taking the time for us and thank you for oh. all the amazing content that you provided this city for so many years. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it very, very much. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Gary. Thanks, nice. thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. See you later. Bye. All right. Yeah. We'll see you, sir. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, y'all. Why do the people all hate him so? And why they shot him? 
I'll never know He's a star of the picture show, J.R. Gary Burbank, and there's the Who Shot J.R. song from 1980 when Gary was still at W.A.K.Y. That was just before he came to W.L.W. here in Cincinnati. The song got to number 67, but I guess as Gary explained, the record company went out of business while the song was climbing the charts, so I guess they stopped promoting it, obviously. Uh, and anyway, that's, uh, that's about completes the whole set, I, I reckon. We had Doc, Duke, Rob, and now the man himself. Um, we should try to track down Roger Naylor. He's out in Arizona, and I found his website. Uh, Roger, of course, was the, uh, I guess, Gary's sidekick uh, when Doc was off uh, writing those uh, cooking books. Uh, and, and Doc explains that in his episode. Yeah, go back and listen to the uh, Doc, Duke, and Rob episodes. They're hilarious as well. Listen to all the episodes. Uh, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, speaking of, or someone you'd like to have us uh, back on the podcast again, drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line. Tell us who you'd like us to have on or have back on and why you'd like to have them on or back on, and we will try to get that sorted for you. Use the same email, of course, to donate to the show via PayPal or Venmo. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, as I just mentioned before, check out those Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Yazbeck. Tons and tons of great episodes back there. Even if you don't really know the person, like we had the Haunted Cincinnati guy, is only known to the Haunted Cincinnati guy, but he has a great episode. He's been on twice, and it's uh, I think it's one, still among the most downloaded episodes, along with Ronnie Salerno, the abandoned Cincinnati guy. Also, someone you probably never heard of until the podcast, and uh, that's one of the most popular episodes as well. So today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Or wherever else you get your music. For vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more, go to oldschoolshirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, old radio stations, restaurants, uh, old malls, all, all kinds of things like that. It's just like Cincy shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is the amazing Crepso, and I spell Crepso K R E. P-S-O, The Amazing Crepso, that's Gilbert Gnarly's dog. It's all one word, The Amazing Crepso, but you can use all lowercase, all uppercase, that part doesn't matter. Uh, just use it as all one word to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. How about that? And here's a hack. You can use it once at each site. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
Puxa sempre, Pai. 